I invite you to take your Bible, iPad, iPhone, whatever you have, and stand and go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I want to call your attention to verses 1 through 4. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk to you about Easter rolls away the stones. Easter rolls away the stones. In 1885, there was a wonderful, wonderful discovery. There was a man by the name of General Christian Gordon, and he was an archaeologist in Israel. And he discovered something that was so amazing. He discovered Calvary and the garden tomb. It was said that when he arrived the rubbish was 20 feet high. The dirt, the debris was massive. But he began to dig, and he noticed something. He noticed there was a hole that was cut out of solid rock, 14 feet wide, 10 feet deep, 7 1⁄2 feet high. He literally discovered the garden tomb the place that Jesus was resurrected from. He shipped the dirt. They spent years researching the dirt, and they reached this conclusion. There was no human remains found in the dirt. We could have told them that because John 19 and 41 says this. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. I've had the privilege on many occasions to go in there to the garden tomb. Somebody said, why didn't the Lord buy this place? Why didn't the Lord buy the tomb? Why was it just borrowed? Well, folks, he was just going to need it three days. Amen? No need to buy it. He just borrowed it for three days. Now, here's what's interesting. Much as you did this morning, there were two ladies, two Marys, who got up and they made their way to the empty tomb. They made their way. And as they were going to that tomb, they started wondering and pondering. And this was the question they asked. They said, how are we ever going to move that big boulder? How are we ever going to move that big stone? We want to anoint the body, but how are we ever going to do it? How are we going to roll away that stone? They had an obstacle. You know what I know about every one of us? 
Every one of us have boulders. Every one of us have obstacles. Every one of us have problems. Now, if you got a problem, would you raise your hand? If it's seated right beside you, would you keep it up? Sure, we've got problems. Some people have the boulder of unemployment. Some people have the boulder of abandonment. Some people have the boulder of addiction. Some people have the boulder of abuse. Some people have the obstacle of debt. Some people have the obstacle of drunkenness. Some people have the obstacle of drugs. Some people have the obstacle of depression. We all have boulders. We all have stones. We all have things we can't handle. Many times we have bills that we can't pay. We have grades that we can't make. We have people that we can't please. We have pornography that we can't resist. We have a past that we can't seem to shake. This is what I know about people. We all have boulders. And we all ask the question, who's going to move the stone? Who's going to roll away the stone? But this is what I want you to know. An angel came and rolled away the stone. But you understand something. The angel didn't roll away that stone so Jesus could get out. He walked through the stone. Rocks and tombs couldn't keep him in. Walls and rooms couldn't keep him out. He walked through the stone. The stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so they could see in. <laughs> the stone was rolled away because the Lord wants us to be able to see in. The Lord wants you to be able to see in and to know unequivocally that he rolls away stones. And what you've got to understand, on that Easter morning, he rolled away five stones. The first stone that Jesus rolled away is he rolled away the stone of discouragement. Did you ever think about how discouraged they must have been? They'd been following him for three years. He told them he was the Savior. He told them he was the Messiah. They thought he was the king. But now he's gone. Even in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, two of his disciples that were on the Emmaus road, they said, we truly thought he was the one. They were speaking in past tense. Folks, it's terrible when you lose hope. It's terrible when you get to the point where you say, I'm never going to be able to meet the perfect mate. We're never going to be able to have children. I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to get out of this debt. I'm never going to get past this addiction. I'm never going to work out the problems of this marriage. I'm never going to be like everybody else. It's terrible when you lose hope. And they had lost hope. But I want you to see something. In John 20 and 20, <laughs> When their hope was gone, Jesus reappeared. When their hope was gone, Jesus reappeared. And I want you to know, because Jesus resurrected, 
We don't have a hopeless end. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got an endless hope. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're facing, no matter how bad, no matter how bleak it is, no matter how impossible it sounds, I want you to know there is hope because Jesus Christ is on the throne. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. There's none like him. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of conquerors. He's the head of heroes. He's the leader of legislators. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And there's none like him. And we always have hope. This is what I know. On that day, the stone of discouragement, it was moved. But I'll tell you something else. On that day, the stone of dread was moved. You said, Pastor, what are you talking about, the stone of dread? Now, let's, let's look at the story. Jesus was killed. You said, well, Pastor Benny, after they crucified him, where did, his, where did his disciples go? Well, the Bible tells you. They were hiding out in a room because they said, hey, what happened to the guy we've been following three years? It's going to happen to us. They were consumed with fear. They were consumed with dread. You said, Brother Benny, what, a, what about when you're consumed with fear? What about when you're controlled by fear? What's the answer? I'll tell you the answer. <laughs> they was hiding out in a room. And in John 20 and verse 19, Jesus walked through the wall. <laughs> And he said, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. And a few days later, these guys that were scared to death, they were out in the streets preaching because they had the risen Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to be controlled by fear. We don't have to be controlled by dread because if God be for us, who can be against us? And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I heard about a guy that goes to the doctor, and he says, Doctor, I've got a problem. The doc says, What's the problem? He said, There are monsters under my bed. And he goes back again. And he says, how are you doing? He said, not doing good. There's monsters under my bed. He goes four times. And then the doc doesn't see the guy anymore. And he's at a restaurant one day, and he sees the guy, and he says to the guy, the doc says, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. Got me a new doctor. <laughs> he said, you got a new doctor. What did he tell you? He said, the new doctor told me to cut the legs of my bed off. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, he cut the legs of the devil off. He destroyed fear, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have to be controlled by fear. You don't have to be controlled by dread. Or if I could sing like Cameron sing on that song. You don't have to say amen that loud. It wasn't that good. <laughs> if I could sing like Cameron, 
I'd cut loose and I'd sing, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Let me tell you something, folks. When he arose, he rolled back the stone of discouragement. You don't have to be controlled by discouragement. When he arose, he rolled back the stone of dread. You don't have to be controlled by dread. When he arose, he rolled back the stone of doubt. He rolled back the stone of doubt. Jesus got up out of that tomb. He walked around for about 40 days. He ate broiled fish. I really wish the Scripture said he ate fried catfish. <laughs> he ate broiled fish. And he goes into a room with his disciples, and he says, Guys, I overcame death. And then he leaves. And a guy comes by the name of Thomas. And they said, Thomas, while you was gone, Jesus came. He's risen, Thomas. And Thomas said, the only way I'll believe it if I can put my hands in his hands, the only way I'll believe it, if I can put my hand in his side, eight days later, Jesus shows up and he says, Thomas, come. Put your hand right here, Tom. Tom, put your hand in my hands. And Thomas says, oh, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Perhaps here today, you're here today and you battle doubt. Oh, I, I don't have all the answers. But I could tell you 516 people saw him in the resurrected body. I could tell you the highest court in Israel, the Sanhedrin court, the Sanhedrin court started making up lies about his resurrection. I've often thought this. Here, why didn't the Sanhedrin court do this? If they just wanted to stop the resurrection in its tracks, all they had to do is find the body. I could tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that 1,100 years before Christ was born, in Psalms 49 and 15, his death was prophesied and his resurrection was prophesied. I could tell you that these very men who were hiding out, who were scared for their lives, later on, it was Peter who said, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. It was James who was beheaded for the gospel. It was Bartholomew who was filleted like a fish. A man may live for a die for a lie, but he'll not die for a lie. What made the difference in these men's lives? I'll tell you what made the difference. They saw a resurrected Savior, and they never were the same. But even with all the facts, there's an element of its faith. 
I read a story about a professor that was as liberal as could be. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm all young people, listen to me very closely. I'm for being open-minded, but I want to quickly say there's still a standard. There's still a standard. There's still the Word of God. You say, Pastor, you got to be open-minded. We've become so open-minded in America that our brains have fallen out. A liberal professor taught for two and a half hours that there's no resurrection. And then an old boy stood up in the back and started eating an apple. He started chewing on the apple. And he looked at the professor and he said, Sir, is the apple I just ate bitter or sweet? And the professor said, I don't know. I haven't tasted your apple. He said, no, and neither have you tasted my Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, unequivocally, I know he lives because he lives within my heart. See, the stone of dread, the stone of discouragement, the stone of doubt, but, but there was another stone that was rolled away that day. It was the stone of defeat. You know, you know what I see more people battle with than anything else? They battle with guilt of the past. So many people battle with guilt. They talk about things they did 10 years ago and 20 years ago and 30 years ago. Things that happened in relationship, things that happened in their personal life, things that happened, addictions, drugs, vices, things that they wish they couldn't have done. They feel defeated. They're constantly beating themselves up. That's where most people live. There was a guy in the Bible by the name of Peter. Peter said, Lord, let me give you a news flash. Everybody's going to forsake you and leave you, but oh, Pete, he's the one you can depend on. Jesus, being omniscient, looked at Pete and said, get real, Pete. Before the crow sounds, before the crow, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. You know the story. Peter denied him. The Bible says this. He went out and he wept bitterly. He said, I've made a mess of my life. I've really made a mess. I disappointed, I discouraged the Lord. I told him I'd do what was right, but I didn't. But there's a verse that was so encouraging to me in 1 Corinthians. It says, and he was buried and he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Jesus was buried, you know the story, he arose. But before he ever went to the twelve. He went to old Peter because he knew Peter really needed him because Peter messed up bad. You know who Jesus cares about? He cares about people who've messed up bad. He cares about people that have made a mess out of their lives. But let me give you some encouragement. God used Peter 
He became the leader of the apostles and preached on Pentecost and 3,000 got saved. And even though you've messed up, when that stone was rolled away, what God was saying is, I forgive you and I've still got a plan for your life. I've still got a purpose for your life. You know, I heard about a little girl that was coloring. And she said, Daddy, I broke my color. And he said, well, I've got good news. You've got something to share now. You know, the heartaches of life give us something to share to help others. He said, I've got good news. You've got something to share. And then he said, baby, I want to remind you of something. It still colors. It still colors. And ladies and gentlemen, no matter you may have messed up in life, but what the resurrection says, it still colors. <laughs> God's still got a plan. God's still got a purpose. Let me give you the last stone and I'm done. Somebody said, praise the Lord. <laughs> the last stone is the stone of death. It's the stone of death. You say, what do you mean? Romans 5 and 12 says this. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. See, folks, we were all born sinners. You say, Brother Benny, I, I'm not so sure I fit in. Yeah, yeah. Just ask those real close to you, and they'll tell you you are. Yeah, we're all born sinners. And because of sin, we're going to die. We're heading toward death because of sin. I saw yesterday where the oldest woman in the world died. She lived to be 116 in Italy, but she still died. See, they, they've released some new stats concerning death. I don't know if you heard them. They came out last week in the USA Today. These are the new stats concerning death. One out of every one dies. <laughs> now, look, we were born sinners. We were headed toward death. But every sin that you and I ever have committed or ever will commit, Jesus Christ nailed to that cross. Every sin that you can think about, Jesus Christ took to the cross. For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Every sin was nailed to that cross. And Jesus died for our sin. And three days later when he resurrected, that was proof that God accepted his sacrifice. Friend, we're all heading toward death. But Jesus Christ, according to John 11 and 25, said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Get up real close. Don't talk to her. Listen to me. You're not prepared to live 
until you're prepared to die. Zig Ziglar said it best. We're going to live longer in the next life than we ever did in this life. So it only makes sense to get it right in this life. See, there was a time, there was a time that you was not, but there never will be a time that you will not be. I'll tell you one story and I'm done. My life's pretty simple. Same pattern. This morning I get up early and I go to the track and I walk and run. It's the same every day. Today's Sunday. Monday, I got up. I went to the track. My wife and I were walking. I was acting silly. A man walks by me. He's jovial. We laugh. He goes on. After I walked a lap or so, I said, I'm going to run. After I'd ran two laps, ten feet in front of me, was a man collapsed. Monday. 20, 25 people to track, but the man collapsed in front of me. I stop. I get down by the man and I scream out, call 911, call 911, call 911. Then I put my face to his face. And I said, buddy, I'm here for you. I'm here. I'm Pastor Benny Tate. You hang in there. I'm praying for you. You hang in there. Then I placed my hands on him with my face to his face. And I pray for him. A few moments later, DMTs come. After a little while, they've got him in the vehicle. They're gone. Barbara said, what do you think? I said, it didn't, doesn't seem good. I heard a few minutes later, when he got to the hospital, he was passed. Passed. Wonderful Christian man. A few nights later, I went to the funeral home. His wife said, Pastor Benny, I did not know her. She did not know me. She said, thank you for staying with him. It means so much to know he was not alone. And I couldn't help but think, oh, sis, he wasn't alone. The angels escorted him up into the presence of God. He was not alone. But here's two men, basically the same age, doing the right thing, trying to take care of the body. But one's gone. Let me tell you something, folks. 
Eternity's too long to be wrong. You're not prepared to live until you're prepared to die. Being a member of a church is not enough. Being a good person's not enough. Your daddy and mama being a Christian's not enough. You giving money's not enough. None of that's enough. The only thing that's enough is if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've accepted what he did for you on the cross. That's the only thing that's enough. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make, and thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.